Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. This morning, I don't have a, a particular passage of scripture we're going to look at. Um, we're going to kind of be in several different places. So the first place you can open your Bibles to is the book of Exodus. The very end of Exodus in chapter 40. And what has happened here, um, this was immediately after the tabernacle, uh, the tent of meeting has been set up. So God gave specific instructions for how it was to be built, how it's supposed to be furnished, how the things are supposed to be laid out, what it's supposed to look like, how you, you organize it in this direction, all these specific instructions for the tabernacle, for the tent of meeting. And everything's been finished now. It's been placed, it's been furnished, it's been set up just perfect, just so as God had ordained. And it's finally ready for use. And so then we read this in Exodus chapter 40, beginning in verse 34. Tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now I find this a little bit odd because the meeting place is finished. It's even called the tent of meeting. You know, our own Memphis Tabernacle is a place for us to come and to meet with God, to encounter God, to be in his presence. So it's this meeting place to meet with God, but when God's presence shows up and this cloud fills the tabernacle, Moses, you know, even Moses, even he can't go in to meet with God in the tent of meeting where you would meet with him. I don't know who planned that, but it didn't work out very well. If you're supposed to meet with God, why is it that Moses was unable to, in the very presence of God, even come in and meet with him? But he couldn't enter because the presence of God had so filled the tabernacle. Now, in a similar story, in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, we find Solomon, who has just finished constructing the temple, no longer a portable tent of meeting, tabernacle, take it down, set up, take down ministry at the church, all that kind of stuff going on. Now there's going to be a permanent structure for all this to take place in. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, Solomon has just finished building the temple. His father David had it in his heart to do this for the Lord. God, let me give you a, a permanent place. I'm in this palace, you're in a tent, that doesn't seem right. And God said, you're not the man to do it, but your son will. So David made all the furnishings, he got all the stuff ready, and he left his, his son in charge of things, and Solomon, he did it. And man, he did it to the nines. All oh, this place was awesome. Did it the very best, just this lavish, ornate, gorgeous, very, he got the most skilled people, used the best resources, it's all set up, there, everything is built and constructed perfectly so. It's, the furnishings are arranged, and all the utensils and the instruments for ministry and the altar, and it's all there. It all gets finished and set up. The temple is finally complete. Everything, all the treasuries that David had set aside to provide for the temple, to place within the temple of God, all of that stuff has been brought in, and it's all ready to go. It's been dedicated to God. It's been given to him. And so we read this in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, starting in verse 11. It says, When the priests came forth from the holy place, 
For all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without regard to divisions. And all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Haman, Jeduthun, and their sons and kinsmen, clothed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, standing east of the altar, and with them 120 priests, blowing trumpets in unison when the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice, to praise and to glorify the Lord. And when they had lifted up their voice, accompanied by trumpets, then the house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. We run into the same problem. The same thing that happened at the tent of meeting when the presence of God showed up and Moses was like, I can't even go in there and meet with you. Now we have the temple that's been set up, and it's so filled with the presence of God that the priests, the Levites, the ones God set apart and chose and said, out of all the tribes of Israel, these are mine. These are going to be the ones who minister before me. These are going to be the ones that I ordain. I'm going to be their resource and provision, but they are set aside specifically to minister before me. Those are the guys. I want them to do it a certain way. I want certain families to do certain things, and there's a specific order and instructions for them to follow. Those are the guys I want to do it. Even those guys, the ones ordained by God, couldn't even perform their God-ordained functions because of the presence of God. They can't even enter into the temple because of the presence of God. Now that seems like a planning problem right there. But that's because I don't understand things very well. In Isaiah 66, Isaiah records these words near the end of his book. And they ring true in both of these instances, both in Exodus with the tabernacle and also with the temple in 2 Chronicles 5. But in Isaiah 66, verse 1, Isaiah writes these words from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus, all these things came into being, declares the Lord. God speaks to the prophet Isaiah and conveys the truth that there is no house we can make that can adequately house the presence of God. There's no building that can contain that because He's everywhere. He fills the heavens. The heavens are his throne, and the earth is his footstool, and we're going to build a, a, a house for him? How is that going to work? And Isaiah says, it doesn't, because he's too great and too glorious, and his presence is too wonderful, too much to be contained. Solomon says the exact same thing regarding the temple that he's just made. Back in 2 Chronicles, in the next chapter, in chapter 6, after the temple's been dedicated, after the, the priests have been unable to go in and even, and even do their functions because the presence of God has come there, Solomon speaks that, that this house that I've built, this can't even contain God's presence. 
In 2 Chronicles 6.18, Solomon says these words. He says, but will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built. Solomon admits that the house I've constructed, even this temple, as grand and glorious and wonderful as it is, as dedicated and sanctified and given to God as a place of, of ministry before him, even that is in, it's impossible for that to contain his presence. God doesn't confine his presence to one building to one special place or to one particular location. He's omnipresent. He fills the entire universe that he's made. He's not one location specific. He's not limited to just being in, in one place at one time, his presence localized to, to one precise spot as opposed to several other different spots. Well, at least it was like that until Jesus. And in Jesus, his presence was in one spot. It was right there, because Jesus is God. I was driving home one time, and I, I came to a stop sign. And no offense to John or anyone else here, there was an old man <laughs> who was walking. Well, you used it yourself, so you're fair game. I mean... So I'm just going to call him an old man walking because that's what he was doing. He was an old man who was walking, and he was walking across the intersection as I'm stopped at the stop sign, fast as his legs. And I'm watching this guy, like, snail crawl his way across the intersection, and I'm just like, that is the, I don't want to be mean, but that is the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's hilarious because in my mind, I'm thinking, dude, if that was me, I know what I'd be thinking. I'd be like, oh, I'm flying. I'm racing. The wind is whipping through my hair. Oh, my goodness, look at me go. Yeah, speed racer. I know that's what would be going through my mind because I would be old and thinking, I'm just flying across this intersection. And in reality, oh, your arm is the only thing flying, and it's not going very far. But I'm reminded... It reminds me so many times of, of my own efforts for the Lord. That, man, I think, oh, God, I'm doing, look at the stuff I'm doing. I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. And God's like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> oh, look at that. Look at the little temple you made me. That's nice. Thank you. You know when your kids draw you a picture and they have to tell you what <clears throat> you are on the, that's you, Dad. Oh, thank you. I'm the in the middle of the great. It looks just like me. Thank you so much. And it's not a mocking, condescending kind of a thing. It's simply a recognition that, man, that's the best you can do. It's not, that temple can't house my presence. That tabernacle is never going to be able to, you know, there's no way you could possibly, man, that's so sweet. Thank you. That's so sweet. Passages in Isaiah is in Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah encounters the presence of God. And it says in Isaiah 6, verse 1, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. 
And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called. The temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah encounters the presence of God. The presence of God where Moses wasn't able to go in because it was so thick. Where the priests weren't able to to stand up and minister because the presence of God was so there. Isaiah encounters that. It's right before his face. And he is completely undone. He is ruined and wrecked. He cannot remain there. He cannot abide there. He can't last there even a moment longer. And he cries out, woe is me, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah became acutely aware in that precise moment that his own humanity, with its imperfection, with its failings, with its sins, it could not endure the presence of God. Isaiah realized that. In that moment, he realized, I am ruined because of the presence of God that I find myself in. In another exchange, Moses was having a conversation with the Lord. In Exodus 33, and this is a passage we have heard many times here as a church family. But God is talking with Moses about his presence and his presence being with his people. And in Exodus 33, verse 14, God tells Moses, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses responds back to the Lord and says, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said this to God, I pray you, show me your glory. And God's response to Moses was, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion, on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Although God promises his presence to be with Moses and his people, Moses isn't even able to look at the face of God without being killed. As as BFFs as Moses and God were, the human Moses could not endure the presence of God. It was impossible. God had to shield him because he didn't want his best friend to die. That was the presence of God. That's why Isaiah encounters the presence of God. I am ruined 
Yeah, because you're, you're like Moses right here. God had to cover him. If the temple that, that I can settle this up, it's all good to go. If that's like the old man walking kind of a thing, then this human body that I have, this encountering the presence of God, I'm just going to call it dead man walking. Because that's what God said. If, this, if that body encounters my presence, you're dead. If you see my face, it's all over. That's how it is in the presence of God. You see, our own humanity, it creates this impenetrable barrier that separates us from the presence of God. Isaiah realized that. That's why he was so undone. I'm, oh, I, this is not okay. I cannot remain here. I am ruined because of my uncleanness. It's what Moses had. I have to hide you here because if you see my face, you'll die. Isaiah realized it. And Moses realized it. But the good news is Jesus changed all of that. In John chapter 2, as Jesus is driving out the money changers from the temple, the Jews challenge his authority. Who, who are you? What right, by right right or authority do you have to do what you're doing? And here's how Jesus answers them. He says, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And John goes on to explain that Jesus was talking about his body, not the physical temple. Well, wait, wait a second. Did Jesus just call his own body a temple? Didn't he read about, like, th doesn't he know what that means? Didn't he read the story about the tabernacle and when the presence came in and, you know, and Moses couldn't even go in? And, like, didn't he, what about, like, the temple? Didn't he know the story about when Solomon built the temple and the presence of God came and then the priest couldn't even function in there? Didn't he know that? Didn't he, what about, like, Isaiah's encounter with God? What about Moses having to be hidden and stuff? I thought Jesus like wrote most of like the Bible stuff. So how, how is he unaware of those things? Doesn't he understand that if, if he houses the presence of God, if, if he's the, the temple where God's presence manifests itself, he's going to die. Because that's what was going to happen to Moses and Isaiah. Why wasn't Jesus undone? Why wasn't he, why wasn't he ruined before God? Why wasn't he wrecked and, and unable to enter and unable to function or, or anything else? Like we read about all these other encounters with God's presence in Scripture. What was different about Jesus? Jesus had no sin. Jesus didn't have a barrier between himself and the presence of God because there was no sin in his life. None. In Isaiah's encounter, where he is ruined before God because I have unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips, God had to come and remove his sin and, and touch him and to touch his tongue with the, got the, the tongs and the coal and to touch his tongue and sin's removed. Now you won't die. You see, the difference with Jesus is Jesus doesn't have that sin keeping him from the presence of God, causing him to be ruined and undone in the presence of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he made him who knew no sin 
to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus wasn't undone as a temple of God because there was nothing in him to undo. He was perfect. He is the pure, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He can abide in God's presence. He can function in God's power. He can be filled with God's spirit because there's no barrier in his life to the perfect presence of God. Jesus told his disciples that he couldn't do anything on his own, but only what the Father does. He told his disciples that that he spoke exactly what the Father told him to speak. He told his disciples, my food, my very food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He told his disciples, I always do what pleases him. He told them, I can do nothing by myself. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You see, for Jesus, being undone in the presence of God was simply to live fully surrendered to the Father and fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Jesus displayed the perfect unity of the Trinity. He was a temple of the Holy Spirit, filled with the presence and the power of God, and still able to function, and function miraculously, because there was no barrier of sin in his life, separating him from the presence of the Father. So where does God dwell now? Where's his temple now? Well, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3.16, writing to the church, the gathering of believers, he says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Paul is speaking of the church, the the gathering of, of corporate believers together, that we constitute a temple of God, a place for the the Spirit of God to dwell. And like Jesus, we as the church are to be selfless, fully yielded to the Lord, completely dependent upon Him, speaking only what He speaks, doing only what He does, seeking His will above our own. That should characterize our time together as the temple of God. That's the temple that we're called to be, just like Jesus, when we gather together. And Paul goes on to say a few chapters later in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body, you, individual Christian, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Now Paul goes beyond saying just the gathering of believers is where the presence of God is. You, you as a Christian, as an individual, you house the presence of God. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Temple, and the priests couldn't minister. And the same presence that Isaiah found himself in the midst of and was ruined knowing he was going to die 
And the same presence that told Moses, I have to hide you and shield you because if you experience this, you'll be killed. If God's presence hasn't changed, and if the presence of God inhabits our lives through the Holy Spirit when we're saved, if it's the same presence with the same consequences by the same God, and yet it is in our lives through the Holy Spirit. If, that, if those things are both true and we don't instantly die, if we don't become unable to function, completely undone, utterly ruined, then it must mean the same thing that it meant for Jesus. That there's no sin that remains. Let that sink in for a sec. Church, do you understand the fullness of God's forgiveness? Do you understand how perfect the work of Christ's death and resurrection truly is? Do you realize the, the purity of your righteousness because of Jesus? You are stainless without blemish, spotless. You are clean. You are whole. You are pure. You are holy. You are undefiled. You are washed. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. And the stain of sin is completely removed. There is no barrier any longer. For those who know Christ as Lord and Savior, there is no barrier that causes us to be undone. We can be and are the temple of the Holy Spirit. His presence fills our lives in all of His power, in all of His glory, with all of His goodness, with all of the things that would strike us dead in our sin. The moment we became undone was the moment we repented of all of that. They said, I am ruined before you, God. I am lost in my sin. Woe is me. I have unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen you. And in that moment of repentance, our sin is that separates us from the presence of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So my encouragement, go and live like it. Man, live like it. Cool things happen when you live like that. There's a cool thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 with people who live like that. When they were all gathered together, a bunch of believers, the church, Paul says, is the temple of God. Guess what shows up in the temple of God? The presence of God. And guess what showed up in the temple of God? The presence of God. Guess what happened when God's presence filled this temple and filled these temples? The world was changed as a result. That is the life God calls us to as Christians. 
And it is only lived when we recognize, God, I am filled with your presence. I am filled with your spirit. The same presence and the same spirit that would strike me dead in my sin, I house and enjoy and live with. It is my food and my sustenance, my words, my thoughts, my my praise. It is everything about my life. It is all you. That's how Christ lived. And we're called to live the same way. People thought those disciples were a little strange. I'm a little strange. The scary thing is God keeps messing me up and making me weirder as we go. I want to live aware of his presence. Not just here. Here. Everywhere I go. No matter what my situation is. I'm a living, moving, walking temple of the Holy Spirit. Where God's presence dwells in its fullness. And the only reason that's even possible is because there's no sin left. He forgave all of it. Even the stuff I'm going to do when I walk out the door well i hope you enjoyed the podcast today and if you did i'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show that way the most recent episode will always be in your feed ready when you are god bless you and i'll see you next time on the memphis tabernacle podcast